Welcome back, everyone. This is Power and Consequence. I'm your host, Matt. Anna is taking a little break for a while, but that's okay because I brought in backup to uh, make sure everybody doesn't just have to endure my uh, crappy analysis of things. And I'd like to welcome back to the show everybody's favorite writer, podcaster, content creator, and ass kicker through this pandemic, Destiny Foxcano. What's up, Destiny? Yay! I don't have uh, applause on my soundboard. Sorry. Uh, no worries. <laughs> it sounds, I think we tried to quit that quite some time ago anyways. <laughs> um, hey, um, thanks for inviting me again. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty, um, you've been keeping uh, busy creatively a bit more than I have. I took a couple of months break. Uh, I know you're still, you're writing, you're still working on your podcast, Get uh, Get Woke, Get Drunk, Get Drunk, Get Woke. I was so drunk that I couldn't remember it. I mean, it's, um, you're not the only one, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, as long as you get like, you know, a combination of the four words, I'm, I'm happy. Um, yeah, we just released the fifth episode on attraction, um, this past week, which is, um, really funny. I was laughing throughout the editing process, which was two days long. So <laughs> I hope that I'm not just like, you know, a little psycho laughing on my own. And uh, if you are so inclined, please do have a listen. Um, been dabbling in that, uh, always on TikTok and yeah, trying to pump out some chapters of a book. We'll see. We'll see. We're writing a book? Yeah. I knew you were writing. I didn't know. You want to give us a little preview? No, not yet. <laughs> uh. Not even a genre, what you're doing? Okay, yeah. So, okay. So, they're both, um, one of them is supernatural uh, fiction, young adult series. And the other one is also young adult series, but more science fiction, parallel universe story. (laughs) Okay. So, so it's not just sparkly vampires. It's parallel universe sparkly vampires. Is that what I'm getting? Oh, well, one book is with uh, Supernatural, may or may not be vampires, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> decided yet, and no sparkles, I can guarantee you that. And then the other one is um, no real, uh, you know, vampire lore or anything like that, uh, more human lore, which can be sometimes more frightening, as we know. <laughs> what? Don't I know it. And speaking of frightening human beings, see a professional pivot right there. Uh, we are today going to be talking about one of my new favorite propagandists who I didn't know existed before a couple months ago. And uh, just to recap in the months since we've had released an episode of this podcast, uh, what's going down in this state, in this country, Destiny, in this world? Uh, California is burning to the ground, so we got wildfires everywhere, right? Uh, the Southeast got hammered by Hurricane Ida, and several hundred thousand people are still without power in the middle of a fucked up heat wave, so that's nice. And we ended a 20-year war in Afghanistan, and the Taliban are flying around in Black Hawk helicopters. Did I, did I miss anything? Um, I think you missed the flooding and tornadoes in New York, New Jersey. Yes, there was that, and then there was... <laughs> yes, And yes. we're still in a panini, you know. We, we <laughs> Delta, Delta variant, and you got... We got anti-vaxxers, we've got MAGA people, we've got all that good stuff. So yeah. this is this is just six kinds of fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, the world is hopeful, and we're here to add to your hope today. So let's just get down to it. So, Destiny, let me ask you, how much do you know about a man named Larry Elder? Yeah, um, I feel like if I dove 
too deep, I would give myself a brain aneurysm. But from what I've seen (laughs) (laughs) so far on surface level, very much so um, a very troubled human being with too much power. (laughs) Yeah, right. And he doesn't even really have any government power yet. So for those of you listening, (laughs) yeah, for those of you listening who don't know, Larry Elder is he he's he's been a kind of a talk show host, syndicated radio host. He's written a bunch of books. Um, Destiny, before the uh, the recall election, which is why we're talking about Larry Elder, he is the GOP frontrunner as an alternative to Gavin Newsom. Uh, Did you know anything about him? Yes. But as I said, just very like surface level, some like things here and there, kind of just drinking, you know, white supremacist Kool-Aid kind of dude oh, <laughs> is, yeah. is what I what I knew surface level. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna get into that into another uh, another episode. So this is gonna this is gonna be the first of a couple of episodes in a series on Elder. Each one is gonna be a concentration on one of his policy positions as the somehow maybe next governor of California. Uh, so just a quick background on Elder. Um, Elder likes to tell a story among crowds uh, that his father was an eighth grade dropout who served in World War II, I believe, and then migrated to California from the Jim Crow South. Great migration, right? The story is actually meant to be anecdotal evidence that hard work can uh, overcome anything, including systemic racism that Elder claims doesn't really hold anyone back, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Elder is Ivy League educated, undergrad from Brown University, law degree from University of Michigan. He grew up in South Central LA and attended Crenshaw High School, which he also tells crowds at virtually every campaign speech, by the way. And uh, he's worked as a talk show host uh, and does videos for PragerU and the Epoch Times. So we get we getting a picture of him so far. Destiny, how are we feeling? I'm feeling um, black exceptionalism vibes, um, you know, early age NAACP, black men first kind of vibes, probably says blacks instead of black people kind of vibes so far. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, You know, I obviously am going to have some blind spots just due to the fact that, you know, grew up. Not obviously, you know, dad's Filipino, mom is Irish. So there are things that I'm not going to understand. Like that nuance you just said there, referring to people as blacks instead of black people. See, I didn't even realize that was a thing, for example. Is is that a thing among black exceptionalism? That is a thing amongst a an age group of black folks and then also people who did kind of went the route that he went, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm great. I went into Ivy League school. So like I, but he was probably, you know, very much so discriminated against, but did all his best to be with the good boy crowd, right? Um, I'm definitely projecting, but there's, (laughs) from what I've read as well, in terms of um, things like New Jim Crow, breaking this kind of stuff down and and, um, documentaries as well. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) he's a, he's a creature. For sure. <laughs> yeah, he, that's an accurate description. Yeah. Um, regarding uh, Elder's PragerU videos, it's standard clickbait type stuff. You know, um, he is big on free market propaganda. He's big on insisting that systemic racism is not an issue. Big reinforcement of like, you know, the meritocracy myth. Uh, a couple of his standout book titles, he's written several. Uh, one is called Stupid Black Men. 
that one, yeah, that one was later, later re-released, like, the following year, I think 2009, under a more benign title, like, What's Race Got to Do With It? So, I think, yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's a big shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, unlike his, uh, another book he wrote called Bad News for Race Hustlers. Uh, and uh, his latest book that came out in early 2019, I believe, The New Trump Standard. I'm just like, who's publishing this guy and saying <laughs> well, these titles are okay? <laughs> well, well, so I don't know who's publishing him. Book book publishing houses tend to get away with a lot. Um, but as far as his radio career goes, he's syndicated by Salem Media Group. Do you know anything about them? No. Are they witches? <laughs> Quite the opposite. A Christian media colossus is what they are. They specialize in all kinds of Christian media. And uh, Elder is syndicated along with people like dr sebastian gorka and dennis prager uh anyways get that's pretty much him oh and he also has a connection to uh stephen miller believe it or not he, he doesn't like talking about this anymore. See, um, Jean Guerrero, she's a columnist for the LA Times and also wrote a couple of books recently on, you know, Trump, Stephen Miller, and the rise of white nationalism or the resurgence. And there's an anecdote in there where I guess Elder su- allegedly told Guerrero that uh, Miller used to call into his radio show when Miller was a teenager. And Elder was like, oh, yeah, I was so impressed by how articulate he was as he spewed, you know, his his right wing propaganda. Now, if you were to ask him about that today, Elder's like, why are you asking me about that? Are you calling me a Nazi? Are you calling me a fascist? What are you doing? Yeah. So he doesn't talk about Miller anymore. Oh, so he does have some line somewhere in the sand. Oh, it sounds like that. So so (laughs) keep that in mind. Keep in mind why he changes positions as we go on. Because I'm kind of curious myself. Got it. All right. So we're going to get right into it. And the policy topic of this episode will be uh, education. So, Destiny, where do you think Elder lands on the topic of public education? Probably does not want people to um, have free education. Um, Probably loves charter schools and private schools and probably doesn't want kids to have free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you, you've pretty much nailed it. And, and we're going to get into just how much he does it. It's not just that that's his position, because keep in mind, this this podcast it, in the end is an analysis of propaganda. It's not that it's surprising what they say. It's more like what they're doing and how they get their message across, which is right. really what we're going to look at today. And it's it's kind of funny in a horrible way. So, yeah, Elder's position on public school and school choice in general is well established. Um, I went through a lot of interviews and speeches he's given since announcing his candidacy for this recall election. And uh, I kind of settled on two things, a Fox business interview and a speech he gave at a campaign event in Costa Mesa in late August, I believe. So uh, we're just going to kick things off here. And here's Fox Business Larry Kudlow asking Larry Elder about his thoughts on the issues of concern here in California. First up, Larry Elder, it is great to see you, Larry. It's been a while. Thank you for coming on the show. You too, Larry. And I want My you to, pleasure. I want you to tell us, uh, you know, you're, as I understand it from some of the polls, not that I really believe in polls, but the recall effort is very close, 50-50. 
And in terms of who would replace Gavin Newsom, uh, you are a strong favorite. So congratulations to you. What's the big issue, Larry Elder, right now? So what do you think the big issues are? What are the big issues? Um, the big issue is that he was not invited to Newsom's French Laundry dinner. And uh, he is mad. He is so mad. Yeah, honestly, that might have been it. Let's see. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Larry? Other Larry? Well, there are several big issues. Uh, the, the biggest one is, is the rise of, of uh, homelessness, the rise in crime, the outrageous cost of living, and the way this man has slammed down this state in the most uh, draconian way compared to the other 49 states, while ignoring the own, his own science. He had his own kids enjoying in-person uh, private education while shutting down schools, and the, the kids already are behind in California, near the bottom. 75% of black boys in California, Larry, cannot read at state levels of proficiency, and those levels are not high. Nearly half of all third graders cannot, and they were all deprived of a whole year of in-school education. While the teachers union is the largest uh, and most uh, most powerful union in the state, the largest funder of his campaign, uh, and they did not want in-school education. While they were enjoying uh, still getting their real salaries by teaching virtually. Right. So you get you caught all that. It was quite confusing as well. Like. <laughs> I was like, what are you trying to have me understand? 75% of black know, in California alone? I, um, California's education system is one of the worst in the country. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's trying to break my brain, and my brain is resisting too hard. So <laughs> are you going to break it down for us, Matt? <laughs> I, and, and see, so that's the thing. There, are you familiar with the term gish gallop? No, what's that? Sounds it sounds made up, right? It, yeah. it's a it's a term it refers to like a debating technique. Um now granted he's not debating anyone, he's just talking to a fox host who's agreeing with everything he says. But gish gallop is effectively the technique of overwhelming your opponent by saying a bunch of stuff, right? So that they they don't know what to do, right? It's just like it's like it's this, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that. Now granted, that is kind of how Kudlow loaded the question, which is, you know, what are the issues? And that's effectively what he's doing. But I like how you locked onto the numbers, right? He's talking about 75% of this and that, and the, and he just keeps talking. But you notice he doesn't offer a citation, right? No. So that's a Larry Elder hallmark. He's a fast talker. He gives you stats without citation. So a takeaway from the comments, right, about, uh, you know, like teachers unions and stuff like that, right? He his thing is like, he likes to point out that teachers unions donated heavily to Gavin Newsom, to which my response is yawn. I mean, I'm no fan of Gavin Newsom. I don't think he's a person that is particularly good for, uh, you know, progressivism or harm reduction or long-term health of democracy in the state. He's very much an establishment politician. He takes uh, donations from large interests, just like every establishment politician. So pointing that out, first of all, is a big yawn. Right. That doesn't make him any different, unfortunately. Not doesn't give him a pass. So, again, you heard him throw out some stats. Right. He uses those particular numbers a lot. Right. So just this is Larry speaking at the Costa Mesa crowd, which, by the way, was overwhelmingly white. Uh, yeah. I'm like, our- Costa Mesa, who, who goes there? Like, <laughs> I'm well, sorry. With yeah, love, so, I say this. But like, I mean, I, <laughs> so I've never I've never been. But I did see video of the crowd and I saw, you know, there was I, maybe one not pale face in the crowd. And they all looked very well healed. But I don't know anything about Costa Mesa. I, I presume there's money. That's why he went. I mean, your description was definitely what I, I thought of, to be honest. When he, said he went there, I'm like, who is he talking to? Because he's not talking to the, the you know, 75% black boys in Costa Mesa no. that he's so um, curious about. Uh, 
<laughs> he he is a long way from Crenshaw High School, but here here he is speaking to a mostly white crowd that look like they all have money. The money should follow the child rather than the other way around. You know that 75% of black boys here in California cannot read at state levels of proficiency, and those levels are not high. 75%. Half of third graders cannot read at state levels of proficiency, and those levels are not high. I went to Crenshaw High School. That was a high school that you saw in the movie Boys in the Hood. 2% of kids at Crenshaw High School are math proficient. Now, who sends their kid to a school where only 2% of the kids are math proficient if they have an option out? I want to give them an option out. I want the parents to be able to put their kid in a private school, a charter school, a religious school, or a government school if the parent chooses. Yeah, yeah. He says that a lot. Says a lot. Of, he says those numbers a lot. I've, I've gone through about 20 of his interviews. He uses those exact numbers like every fucking time. This is so troubling. So like, I, I don't know if you're, you're like, I'm a black woman. Just I'll say that. I don't know if it was obvious. So I am black. And his whole approach to this is just so gross and disturbing to me because it's very much, especially with this crowd you described, right? Like those movies, like the blind side, right? Like we have to have, you know, the white savior basically like helping these poor black children who are just so undereducated and like... Like, what on earth is he? He's basically painting this horrible picture of black people, essentially, and he's black. And because he's black, it makes it sound like it's okay that he can say these things without these citations and just like further basically um, perpetuate stereotypes about black people. It's awful. And then make people feel good because then it's like, oh, but you know what we can do? We can help them by uh, taking them to the private schools and that. What? <laughs> Right. And, and, and that has been a, a thing of, of the right for a long time. And, you know, he, he's going to tell you that his endorsement of the, the idea of school choice and school vouchers is far separated from like the very racist origins of that concept. You know, I mean, this came to the forefront, uh, for those of you who don't know this, it, it, pretty much after the Brown v. Board of Education decision, after the desegregation, at least in theory, of schools in the mid-50s, that's when it's like, oh, school choice, you know, because they couldn't call it what they wanted to call it anymore. The advocates of the day try to say it has nothing to do with that. It, it's Milton Friedman economics and treat schools like businesses and this and that, which is all just bullshit anyway. Now, granted... I am not a parent. I am not a teacher. I'm looking at this from the outside. Maybe I'd have a different opinion if I had children in K through 12. I, I, I mean, I don't think I would. I hope I wouldn't, but I'll, I'll, I will cop to that fact, you know? Well, I will say, like, um, I think just like you, like, I went to public school in California, and we have great schools. Granted, I was in Southern, I was in Southern California, actually, yeah. San Bernardino County, like, our all of our high school, when, when I was in school at least, like when you graduated middle school, you went to Disneyland. When you graduated high school, what? you went to Disney. Yeah, like there, there was no shortage of funds in our public school to make sure that like our kids were getting well educated, but also like had a freaking good time. I don't think yeah, I got, could. What yeah, I got to hang out with Mickey. Yeah, right? I got to hang out with Mickey. What kind of private school have it? I'd be in a jet or something. I'm like, <laughs> like what? How much higher would I need to go to like feel like my state is investing in me and also like allowing me to have a great childhood? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it depends a lot on zip code. And there's, you know, there's history. To oh, that yeah, too. for sure. You yeah. know, it's like, yes, I'm a public school, but I'm in one of the richest zip codes versus where Crenshaw High School is. And, you know, that's undeniable. Yeah. 
Yeah, not to mention the fact that there is an undeniable relationship between outside factors and quality of education for children, because if they go home to a situation because they are socially disadvantaged, I mean, how well can we expect anyone to concentrate in school if, you know, there's so many stressors in their lives. You know, there's not enough food to eat. There's no health care um, for whatever reason, perhaps because of, you know, the disproportionate number of men of color who are in the prison system. Perhaps, you know, fathers are not in the picture, which is like the second half to what he says later. But I'll get into that. No, there's all kinds of things. And he just, he turns a blind eye. He pretends like that doesn't exist. And you know what's really funny is that he simultaneously blames public schools for not giving quality education to children, but is also a huge advocate of personal responsibility and meritocracy and that you can overcome anything. So if you can overcome anything, why does it matter how crappy the school is? It just basically means that he's trying to play all sides and have no accountability (laughs) in the outcomes. Pretty much, pretty much. And so... That yeah, and that's that's his style. You know, he just he gives numbers without he says things without citing anything. And uh, best I can tell, okay, the the numbers he uses they're probably technically true, but they require a lot of context that he leaves out on purpose. So, the seventy five percent number, as far as I can tell, comes from the California Department of Education numbers, um, which is from the twenty sixteen standardized test results. Okay, so. The news organization Cal Matters did a breakdown of those numbers a few years back, right? So Elder's leaving a couple of things out for context, all right? First of all, uh, across um, across all racial lines, right? First thing, uh, boys, and, and really the study was the separation of boys and girls, not necessarily uh, race, right? But across racial lines, uh, boys in general on those tests uh, scored twice as high from 30% uh to 62% in reading proficiency, right, statewide, as they moved from, quote, low income to, quote, high income, okay? Now, that's not de-aggregating for race, and I'm sure he doesn't want to get into that because there's a correlation, you know, between racial, I don't have to tell you, obviously, or anyone listening, probably, between racial inequity and uh, lack of income uh, stream, you know, just read read a fucking history book that wasn't written by Dennis Prager, I guess. Yeah. And I will say that I hate standardized tests. They are a horrible way of basically trying to fit everyone in a mold that isn't made perfectly for everyone. And I was a bad standardized test taker, but that does not make me an idiot. And also like if you, as you're you're getting at, right, if you don't have the money to get tutoring, if you're a bad test taker like me, you're going to be still a bad test taker, but that doesn't mean you're any less smart than the people around you. It just means that you weren't able to take this test properly to meet, you know, whatever standards we want to have as a nation here. So like, I'm already like, down with standardized tests. They don't really prove much of anything because like i'm still doing well and i didn't ace that very well <laughs> i got into college yeah, and, and all that <laughs> but that's what i'm saying it's like there's a lot to there's a lot to criticize and a lot to change about you know public education you know in in california and, and in the united states in general but this like what he's talking about is just complete fucking misrepresentation and bullshit because his end all his game here is taking public funds and giving it to private schools and yeah. people who want to do religious homeschooling that's all he's he's about you know? Yeah. So the Crenshaw high numbers, right? The 2% that actually does also match some numbers reported by U S news and world report elder. However, conveniently fails to mention the following stats also reported by that outfit, uh, by that outlet, um, about his old high school. So first of all, uh, 
Crenshaw High is 99% racial minority student population. I think it's like like 66% identify as black. Uh, also, 82% of students are economically disadvantaged. Now, that's based on their eligibility for free or reduced lunch program, which he's also not a fan of. Um, I nailed it. I nailed it. He doesn't want people to have free lunch. <laughs> he doesn't want people to have free anything. Anything, he, yeah. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll get to that. In a, so uh, I think the next episode, we're going to be doing his his position on labor and economics and stuff like that. Uh, but he's he's just, just to give you a little taste of that one, what do you think he thinks that the minimum wage should be? Uh, what is it now? It's like average 7.25 or something ridiculous. Sure. Say uh, California minimum wage even. What do you think he thinks that should be he based probably, on economics and numbers? He thinks that should be the same. <laughs> like it should stay the same? Yeah, stay the same. Yeah. Uh, you're wrong. He thinks it should be zero. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. he just wants everyone to die in a hole or something. I don't know. No, no. The, the free, <laughs> the, the invisible hand and, and economic and the free, the, the fucking free market. But w- the next episode, we'll get into that. It's yeah. Fun, so actually. the train that he got to ride, no, he wants to pull the ladder up so far high that, <laughs> and then smack people with it as they try to come up. Basically. I like that metaphor. We're going to, I'm going to turn that into a t-shirt. That's good. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's elder. And elder also doesn't believe in systemic racism as an issue uh, or, or that it's even really real. Uh, maybe it was true once, but it's not now, but whatever. Okay. Uh, Elder loves to bash teachers and teachers unions, but here's the thing. He trusts their assessment in one area, the choice to send their own children to private school. Now, there was a study years ago that asked where public school teachers sent their own school age kids. Don't give the end of the movie yet. 10% of American families put their kids in private school. 6% of black families do. 44% of Philadelphia public school teachers with school-age kids have their own kids in private school, four times the national average. 39% Chicago public school teachers have their own school-age kids in private school. LAUSD, twice as many public school teachers with school-age kids have their own kids in private school. That's the equivalent of opening up a restaurant, putting up a sign saying, come on, eat, come on in, please eat the food, because we sure as won't. The people that know the school system the best aren't putting their own kids in it, but they're telling you to do it. It is outrageous. The first step towards leaving poverty is to finish high school, one where presumably you can read, write, and compute at grade level. So I love that last part where he's kind of commenting on, you know, how to move up in the world. You know, you must complete high school and completely doesn't he he neglects to ever mention all the issues we were just talking about, you know, because he doesn't believe in them. You know, uh, so I'm not quite sure what it is he's getting at. I, I guess I'm asking you, do you, in regards to the quality of, you know, schools and stuff, I mean, what are your thoughts regarding public teachers choosing to send children to private school at a higher rate than the average? Vastly in a lot of places. Um, we just haven't, as a country, invested well in all of our schools. And so there are schools where they're, it's not has no reflection of like the teachers and their capabilities, but the resources that they receive are not enough for them to fully do their job. So I can totally empathize with a teacher who is seeing in their own situation, like, hey, I'm not given the resources to do my job, um, but I love my, you know, I love, this is my passion. I love teaching. I love my school and I love my kids. Like, I'm going to do this, but 
I need to send my kid maybe somewhere um, where there are a bit more resources for them to um, excel. And that's not to say that the children in their classroom aren't excelling, but, you know, um, there just could be some... I mean, I've heard of just teachers that like have to supplement resources with their own income. Like that is a ridiculous thing to, um, it's not even an ask, right? It's an expectation at this point for a lot of teachers. So um, I'm personally just all for, we need to pay our teachers well. We need to make sure that all of our schools are receiving um, enough resources for everyone to excel to the point where there shouldn't need to be a private school unless it's teaching some, I don't know, like Montessori or like some different way um, from the national expectation of like teaching um, as it, you know, as it is on average. But that would, that's my two cents on that, that I can empathize with this idea of, hey, I'm frustrated. I don't have enough resources. And my kids, I, I see what my kids can maybe have if they went here. Is it good? No. Like they should feel feel comfortable <laughs> with like having their kids in the same school that they're at. I mean, that could also, you know, bring their family closer. That makes a commute less. That means they have less to pay as well because um, they're not sending them to some private school that may or may not have better resources. Um, and then also, obviously, when you choose to send your kid to this other school, um, there's so there's so many unknowns, right? If you're that teacher that's not in that other school. So like if, you know, my I'm black, my black mom sent me to this private school and like I'm the only black person there. there that's something that I as a child would then have to deal with um, as being the only black person in this school that has resources when my other school didn't have like the resources that we should have had, right? So it's just like also this strange in my head, um, like forced segregation. <laughs> um, right, right, yeah. As well. Yeah, I mean, and and if I, I'm i hearing all that, and if I could give an, and I'll try to be as fair as I can, right? Uh, starting off with, I don't think that this example, this this narrative is proving the point that Elder thinks it's proving. If you, if your point is there's a sense of elitism and there's a hypocrisy among public school teachers, uh, I mean, okay, maybe we can have that conversation. But this example does not prove that because of the rate at which public school teachers send their kids to private school, it therefore is proof positive that public school systems are a mess and we should give people school choice and take, you know, take public funds and put it, give it to private schools. I think you hit on your point about elitism is very much tied into this, right? Because what says elitism more than like sending someone to private school? And then also he's like, oh, I went to Ivy League school, which honestly, aside from the name, doesn't mean shit. There's a lot of dumb people that get into Ivy League schools, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't mean shit I, to I me. I went to a state school. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not to say that reputation isn't great and there's like a lot of things that go on in these schools but like that doesn't mean you are any smarter than any other person i'm going to just say that um but he he's just perpetuating that as well right with this this mantra of his that like you know it, well you know even school public school teachers are elitist so we should just do it too like in the end we're all elitist <laughs> yeah and and also his 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 restaurant analogy sucks right that does that makes no sense like if if for that analogy to hold up you know the idea of like opening a restaurant telling people to eat there but you won't do it that would hold up if you opened up a restaurant and the restaurant was the only one in that zip code and you had to eat there you know mm -hmm. i mean that that's not how so he's there's an assumption of like the concept of schools uh should operate as a free market that he inserts into that analogy which is actually really clever right 
because he's just he creates this norm that doesn't exist the idea that oh i don't like this school i will go next door to the other school or at least that is what we should be you know yeah, so he's i mean treating schools as like a business and not as a serp- like a government service or a national service that yeah public it, it, good concept, is what i'm trying yeah, to say the concept yeah. of profit you know like uh like hard right conservatives were complaining that the united states postal service wasn't profitable you know, I mean, if you want to play it like that, tell me how profitable the uh, Department of Defense is, you know, like trillions and trillions of dollars in the war on terror and like the international war on drugs. And what do you have to show for it? But any different podcast anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, oh, by the way, and that study, it was published by the Fordham Institute in 2004. The Fordham Institute, for those of you who don't know, is a conservative quote-unquote think tank that is linked to the state policy network which is a collection of far-right groups that are linked to the american legislative exchange council and the Koch brothers or Koch brother so conservative mm. dark money on dark money on dark money so that's that's all that is and that those uh, stats that elder was talking about um those go all the way back to like 1983 and i don't think there's any information more recent than the 2000 u.s census so, I mean, on top of that, it's super dated. And he's been, re- Elder's been writing about this for years. Oh, there was this study. It's not a study. It's a survey. Okay. It's, I, I, I'll link it in, in the show notes. It's like four page, like pamphlet. All right. It's, it's, they crunch some numbers. It's not, it, it's nothing that means anything. So, but he wants you to think it is. That's why you got to so, fact check. Yeah. Fuck them. They don't need facts. They, they have, they, they talk loud and fast. So. Yeah, that, that was that last one was from Costa Mesa again. So now we're going to go back to the Fox Business interview. Uh, and Elder is now in full swing, right? And he starts firing off a bunch of issues that affect the state. And then he pivots back to schools. He says more numbers. And then he misrepresents yet another survey. The people that are getting hurt are the people in the middle class. Those are the ones that the anti-growth people have done a war on. And I'm going to turn that around. And then, as I said earlier, you got the problem of homelessness for crying out loud. They think that you can just build your way out of it without dealing with the underlying reason why people are on the homes, why people are on the streets in the first place. That's also going to change. And as I said earlier, you're talking about a large number of people who are Democrats, independents, and they are fed up. And they're really fed up with the public schools. Uh, Two-thirds of black parents say they don't want to send their kids back to the Los Angeles district because they've been able to watch virtual education and they see how bad it is. And we're talking about maybe 300,000 public school teachers in California. And it is estimated that maybe 5% of them are incompetent. That's around 15,000 teachers. Any given year, about 2.2 of the 300,000 are fired. Imagine if we did the same thing with the police. There are 10,000 police officers in L.A. where I am. Assume 5% of them were, were bad cops, Assume. planning evidence, engaging in racial profiling, or using excessive force. We wouldn't put up with it, but we're putting up with 15,000 bad teachers. That's going to change. Okay, okay. So he said a lot. He said a lot. Um, but just real quick, that 5% number, he says that a lot. I've looked around. I don't know where he's getting that from, so yeah. I can't guarantee the validity. And it seems he's extrapolating that out to all teachers uh, which is hardly scientific, right? I, I'm not yeah. a STEM guy, but I know that much. Well, also, <laughs> he said what? Like, there's 2.2% of teachers who are, are leaving? No, 2.2 this- teachers out of 300,000 are fired every year, I think is what he's saying. I mean, I, that I, makes I don't sense. know where he got that from. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's not a lot of people. So, I mean, really? <laughs> like, people... <laughs> In a year, there's so many people that do leave a job. Like, like that doesn't sound unnatural to me, unless I just don't get the maths here. I think I think he means fired, 
right? Yeah. And and you know, and that's that's a jab at at labor unions cuz he's very much he's anti-teacher union, but he's anti-labor union in general for obvious economic philosophical reasons unless it's police unions. You know, that's the one exception, but I won't even get started on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so that I don't know where the 5% goes, right? Also, uh, at the end there, I like how he uses the example of a hypothetically corrupt LAPD, you know, that we wouldn't tolerate if it were happening in reality. That just says so much to me. And again, it's kind of brilliant in his subtlety. Like, again, he's inserting this, this alternate reality where the hypothetical is police corruption, you know? Yeah. Like... If and, and the the reality is um a bo- like tens of thousands of incompetent teachers that he somehow calculated through his math right, which I, it's it's just it's classic shit. And again, he doesn't cite anything, right? Of course, no, no. So you you heard him say something about two thirds of parents uh talking in the L.A. Uh, Unified School District talking about they don't want to send their kids back. To campus, right? Black parents. He's 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 correct. He's yes, uh, yes. signaling us out again for some reason. Yes. Well, I he's got to play I his can't... card when he can. I I <laughs> I guess I guess I, a weak analogy for me is I'm a veteran, and sometimes other veterans will use that status, that title, to give themselves cred so they can say fucked up shit, you know. And, and you know, sometimes people will ask, you know, people are asking me, it's like, hey, uh, Matt, how do you feel about Afghanistan and Biden fucking that up and all this stuff? And, you know, they're all hard right dudes. And I'm just like, dude, get away from me. I, I it was pointless yeah. when I was there. I thought it was pointless when I was there. I I couldn't imagine it going better than it was. Um, it's the fault of all of us for being there that long. I, I know you want me to like trash on Biden or say something about Trump so you can defend him, but it's, it's, you're, it's not really the point. Yeah. But, I think that's like the danger of, of him, especially because he's so <laughs> disturbed that he's using this. Cause right. Cause it's like, he's acting as if he can speak for black people and because of his platform and the people he's talking to, they believe him. So that's why I'm like, I always key in on that and just get really worried and disturbed because I'm like, you, you don't speak for us, man. <laughs> you do not. I don't speak for us all either, but I know you definitely do not speak for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he speaks for Salem Media. So if you want some good go. Christian Spanish uh, music after listening to Dennis Prager, Salem Media. You know? Unless there's witch, I, there, unless there's witches involved, I, I'm not interested. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, I, they, there they may were, be. They were very pro- well. Yeah, I mean, they 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 weren't the witches in Salem. They were the ones uh, building the uh, the pyres, uh, burning the crosses. So, yeah. So that two thirds number. Um, would you believe me if I told you that uh, Elder is misrepresenting uh, a survey conducted by an advocacy group? Yeah. <laughs> just flat out yes well you're correct so best i can tell uh elder is taking that number from a survey conducted by an advocacy group based in california called speak up they uh, among other things they advocate for equity and education right and also underserved children you know which usually falls along you know racial and uh, economic lines they just do right but 
uh, Elder cherry-picked that number without giving the full context. Uh, fortunately, it's available online, and I will link that in the show notes. But basically, here's what happened. Uh, the title of the study that he is misrepresenting is called The Impact of Racial Bias on Black Students in L.A. Unified. Right. So right off the bat, we're talking systemic racism, which Elder says doesn't exist. And even if it did, it shouldn't hold you back. But we need to change schools because it's holding kids back anyway. Uh, so to put this in context, right, um, according to this survey, uh, two thirds number referred to uh, black parents who are reluctant to send their children back to campus predominantly because of covid risk. All right. But it's also because of bullying and concerns about systemic racism. Okay, so basically they they observed how well uh, their children were doing. The black parents were observing marked improvements in distance learning, believe it or not. And that kind of gave them some insight into what's been going on on campus. Right. Because I mean, and I'm just I'm guessing here. One of the reasons why maybe they're doing better is because when you do distance learning, maybe you can't be suspended, you know, which is disproportionately done to uh students of color, most specifically, uh, black boys. Um, so that's no longer a risk factor. So maybe yeah. is that, I don't know. That's don't something get, to look at. You don't get, um, dress code carded. You don't have to go through metal detectors. You don't have to have on-campus school security guards, pseudo paralytic military people, like, Checking you out Actual every day, cops, stalking school, you on the yeah. school grounds, like raising your fears. Yeah, I think I would feel safer at home yeah. <laughs> as well. Right, right. Which is the real conversation to be had is why do they feel that way? You know, that's the thing that should be discussed. But he doesn't, again, because that's not a problem, according to him. So that same report, right, showed some interesting numbers, right? The LA Times did a little breakdown of Speak Up's uh, analysis. Um, so this is quoting from the LA Times. Um who is borrowing from the survey itself. Quote, uh, according to the survey, 27% of black parents said their child's behavior improved during the pandemic, while 8% said it got worse. And 30%, or excuse me, 34% said their children received better support from their teachers during distance learning, compared with the 12% who said their children got worse instruction while learning at home. I should... Uh, keep this in mind. Um, those numbers are basically inverted for parents of white students. Keep that one in mind, right? Uh, also from LA Times. Uh, the survey also asked about general satisfaction with distance learning. On this parameter, 72% of black parents and 66% of Latino parents agreed that they were satisfied with how distance learning was working for their child, compared with 36% of white parents. Now, that's interesting to me. Um, again, not a parent, not a teacher. But I find the inversion kind of at least worth discussing um, it opens it up. Like w why the lack of satisfaction for white parents all of a sudden, um, who, by the way, according to that same survey, 50, per uh, 50% of them, uh, agreed at least that, uh, um, racism is baked into the educational system. I mean, that means 50% don't, but I mean, those are better numbers than I expected. So all that context is left out of, uh, elders propaganda. So, Moving on, Cudlow, he uh, keeps teeing up Elder. He stays on teachers' unions and asks Elder if Newsom is going to bow to the pressure of the unions and shut down schools and businesses again in the face of the Delta variant. And uh, Elder's answer was predictable, right? But then he pivots to something that he apparently doesn't understand. 
I think there's a good chance that you might do that. Um, you know, the teachers union, as I said, is the largest funder of Gavin Newsom. Uh, they wanted the schools shut down. They didn't want to go back to work. And by the way, the largest affiliate is the Los Angeles Unified Teachers Union. And one of the conditions that they put forth uh, in order to go back to school, Larry, was to uh, defund the police and have uh, single payer health care. Now, what that has to do with K through 12 education is beyond me. And that's why people are mad. And that's why I believe he's going to be re going to be recalled come September the 14th. OK. So that one was shorter. So real quick, um, you caught that. Uh, he's claiming that the uh, L.A. Teachers Union, right, uh, UTLA, um, one of their bargaining positions was defunding the police, no explanation, and single-payer health care, no explanation. Just offered no citation in classic Larry Elder fashion. So do you have any idea what he's talking about, Destiny? Um, I mean, I'll, if I'm trying to put the two together i would assume you know getting police off of school grounds is what maybe they were advocating for um and then maybe they just wanted better health care protections because they're going to be around children who are going to be infecting them potentially and most likely with covid if they go back to in-person learning and teaching so you are mostly right in that you've added some context that Elder leaves out. So I took a look into this, again, just, you know, cursory research. I can't find anything recently regarding defunding the police. However, I did find some articles from around June, early June of 2020, which was mere weeks after the murder of George Floyd. Nothing in it has anything to do with going back to school pending, you know, the pandemic. Right. Um, from this article was written uh, in the L.A. Times on June 8th, 2020, uh, quote, leaders of United Teachers Los Angeles said Monday they support a movement to eliminate the Los Angeles police uh, school police department, a force of 400 that serves the L.A. Unified School District and accounts for 70 million dollars of the district's seven point nine billion dollar budget. OK, so. It was all, again, the context is it's in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, and it had nothing to do with COVID and everything to do with reallocating that funding. The uh, LA Times went on. The school union, uh, 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 excuse me, school union officials estimated that they could hire 800 mental health uh, supporters with that money. Um, and so far as I can tell, I can't find any recent reports that UTLA was using defund the police or single payer health care as a condition to return to work in fall 2021. I did see some like like right wing uh, propagandist sites that were making that claim. And I think UTLA issued a, a press release refuting that. It's like we're not using that as a bargaining position. And consequently, by the way, back in 2020, the, the school district rejected uh that that uh uh po that position that they um eliminate LAPD school force so that didn't even happen which was not surprising that's so, too bad that's yeah so that's fun so that's a that's another lie he got to tell <sighs> which would i mean that would have been really nice too 800 mental health professionals that probably would have been a good thing in the middle of a pandemic. Or you can actually um, give these schools more resources and pay the teachers better. Like 70 million is a lot of dough that could go toward bettering people's lives in the in the school. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, I suppose, strictly speaking, I mean, hiring police to 
to handcuff children and mace them when they talk back. I mean, that's kind of a resource, sort of. I mean, they're they're called school resource officers, Destiny, SROs. I've read about this recently, too. There was, uh, yeah, well, I, I won't digress, but. <laughs> no, they, yeah, it, it's. <sighs> they, anyway, that... they make people more scared than actually doing more good for the most part. Yeah. So this pod is about propaganda in the end. So we are going to end with something pretty goddamn frightening. <laughs> um, Kudlow is praising Elder while they're wrapping up their segment, right? And then he suggests uh, that Elder could effectively maybe make California great again. I mean, it just sort of looks to me, a distant observer, okay, I don't know everything there is to know about California, but it looks to me like, you know, a bunch of crazy people running the state legislature in Sacramento. And one of the reasons, I mean, besides the fact that I've known you for many years and have always admired your approach and your principles, you could be a kind of drain the swamp governor of California, just a whole new reform process. Uh, you know, um, a bit of Trumpian, Trumpian philosophy comes to Sacramento. It's long overdue. <laughs> Trumpian. Now, okay, first reactions. What do you got? Um, I've got skin crawly get out vibes. Like <laughs> that. Oh my God. That can that be the title of this episode? Get out. Like if that Jordan Peele movie, basically. He, like that's Larry Elder. I right know. Like how it's sounding. Like he's just like, yeah, I'll I'll get us there, man, and they won't even oh, see God. it coming. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to tweak the title a little bit. Like oh my God. Elder gives Destiny get out vibes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but. You know, that that's Kudlow speaking, first of all. I mean, to be fair, we haven't heard Elder's response yet, right? True, but true. He, he, he's reportedly trying to distance himself somewhat from Trump. Uh, he's moderated some of his other positions. We're going to cover that in other episodes. But, but uh, you know, he's tried to distance himself. So now here we have uh, Kudlow just putting it right to him. Like, hey, you could be, quote, Trumpian. So with all that said... What do you think? What kind of response do you think he's going to give? Like, you know, you could drain the swamp, Larry. You could be Trumpian. What, what do you think Elder's response was? Where do I sign? I don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> remember, remember, he wants to win. He wants to win Calif- yeah. in California, right? Yeah. So his answer, I feel like, is going to be very, you know, he's not stupid. So his answer is going to be indicative of what a bunch of professionals said he can get away with and what people will vote for. So... Elder, you could be uh, Trumpian, to which Elder says. Well, that's what I'm going to do. And, and unlike Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm not coming up there to be liked. One of the reasons people tell me that he failed, Larry, is because he's used to being uh, used to having adulation out of Hollywood. Mm. He's a Terminator. He's used to people loving him. And when the teachers union began to criticize him and the and the nurses union began to criticize him, he caved and he went to the left. I'm not going up there to make friends. I'm going up there to kick butt and take names. I'm used to people calling me an Uncle Tom and a sellout. I don't know what it would be like to be adored like that. I'm going up there to make some changes. And it's not a Democrat thing. It's not a Republican thing. Crime doesn't have a color. Homelessness doesn't have a color. The rising cost of living doesn't have a color. Common sense Californians are hopping mad, and I'm going to be a voice for them. So, yeah, he ends with common sense. He's all about common sense. Common sense Californians. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, and I, I, I kind of like how he did that at the end, where he just had to sneak in colorblindness, right? Like, homelessness doesn't have a cr- color. None of these issues are racial. None at all. Oh, he also identified that um, people have already said that he's basically get out as well. So (laughs) throwing in this Uncle Tom reference, like, 
yeah, he's really showing it. I think he's about, he's almost 70 years old, actually, yeah. come to think of it. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, that, I, I just had to put that one in there. That one didn't have to do with education in general, but just sort of a, a, a that's going to lead in nicely to our, our next episode, um, which is going to cover one of his other policy positions. So that's going to be really fun. So, uh, Destiny, so far, Larry Elder, education, somehow maybe the next governor of California. What are, you, what, are, what are your takeaways, thoughts? Um, that this is not going to end well <laughs> if he gets elected. Um, definitely going to see probably, you know, critical race theory being just completely obliterated even faster than it is with this guy on board. Um, definitely he's <sighs> a troubled, troubled person. Um, yeah. And yeah. I fear Pe- for for folks in California, honestly. People have pointed out that California legislature is a Democratic supermajority, but Larry Elder's already gone on record saying that he'll use whatever executive power he can legally wield and maybe slightly extra legally wield uh, to get things done and make things happen. I mean, you heard him say, I'm not there to be liked. So, well, not by anybody who's going to be affected by his policies anyway, unless they're... <sighs> anyways yeah yeah so wait till we get into his stances on labor coronavirus um racism in general that i think that'll be the last one because that one's a fucking doozy like wait till you hear his uh his stories of like his dad and him coming up and beating the odds and somehow making that not about racism but also about racism <sighs> okay yeah With that i think we're you know. oh, sorry no i was just oh, gonna no, say go. like <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not going to end well. I, I don't have much to add. I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> yucko vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you looking, you looking forward to the, uh, to the next one? Oh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be more just, you know, whistleblower tactics, racial scapegoating, um, awful stereotype reaffirmation of black people in his mind um yeah it's it's gonna be bloody (laughs) Mm -hmm. lovely lovely all right with that i just remind every all registered voters out there to vote if you're not registered and you're eligible uh get that done and vote um i'm confident saying that i voted no on the recall i do not like gavin newsom but this recall thing is bullshit um, you know, cause a 50.1% vote yes on recall elder could be the governor with 19% of the total vote. And I don't know how that squares with democracy, but I guess that's not really a concern of the GOP these days. So with that, uh, destiny, anything to add? You got a, any place where uh, the fans can, uh, follow your work? Oh, oh my goodness. Well, um, I'll also at plus one go vote, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy especially if you got a mail-in ballot um and yeah come check us out at get drunk get woke if you want to have maybe a little less uh brain hurty time <laughs> that the and last episode laughs. was hilarious all all i'm gonna say is get ready for the cave yes that's all i'm gonna say oh that was that was episode four you gotta you gotta catch up oh to am i behind five. you're up my man, you're no. behind now. Yeah. Oh crap. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's all right. All right. 
Well, I got something to look forward to on the drive to work. Perfect. Oh, yeah. And we did a throwback to to that um, actual phrase, too. So hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I smell some merch in the future. I'm, I'm trying my best. <laughs> oh, thanks for having right. me, though. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, if anyone out there, you're fans of the show, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at at Consequence Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Stop Talking Matt. Uh, and as always, um, keep your head down, you know, do your best, try to do something nice for somebody and don't listen to a goddamn fucking word that Larry Elder says. And we will see you next time. Later.